So the truth of the matter is communicating with mom may never get you the answers that you want. But as a community, whereas you've gone through your experience, Ashley's gone through her experience, we can come together and begin to strengthen one another from our own experiences. So whereas we may not be able to communicate with mom or grandmother, we can communicate with one another. And big, the biggest thing is they always talk about the uh, all of the knowledge in the world is written in a book. Mm-hmm. And so um, I like to look at it like this. We're, we're books. We're, li- we're alive. We're books that are alive and we can be read by one another. Hi, my name is Chanel. Hi, everyone. My name is Ashley. Welcome to Soothing Her, the podcast, a transformative journey through the art of healing. Yes, we're going to be tackling the many facets of healing, the power of resilience, sharing personal stories, and welcoming expert insights. Truly, this is Soothing Her, the podcast. This is Soothing Her. Soothing Her community, hello. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode here on our podcast. I am your co-host, Chanel Dubic. I'm here with my lovely co-host and a wonderful guest today. Hi, everyone. Welcome, Soothing Her community, to another episode this week. I am your co-host, Ashley Orgiaco. Really excited to get into today's episode. I would like the chance to introduce my dear sister, friend for over a decade it is such an honor and pleasure to have you on this podcast um nisha introducing lar nisha kutolo who is a mom of four former military spouse florida native preacher ceo and director of her own ministry called pain with purpose and on today's podcast is the perfect topic Healing Narratives, A Journey Through Emotional Pain, Enduring Love, and Purposeful Recovery. Larnisha Kutalo, I'll give you the chance to introduce yourself now. Hi, all. It is exciting to be on this podcast today. I'm excited to be here, as Chanel said, with my sister and my newfound sister, Ashley. It is definitely a pleasure to be on this podcast and to be able to assist um, and share my life and share uh, whatever uh, insights I can with each and every one of you on today. Thank you so much. Thank you. For an overview on today's episode, we'll be combining a conversation on generational emotional pain in the African-American community, a long-lasting marriage, and its enduring love story, and the vision and objective of Nisha's nonprofit organization, Pain with Purpose. Yes, so we just want to kick it off and thank you again, Miss Nisha, for coming on and just gracing us with your presence and your ministry. Uh, we're super excited, and I know our audience is going to get a lot of good content and just knowledge and just so much to take away from today's episode. So thank you so much again for coming on and taking your time out of your day too. We definitely want to touch and get right into it with talking about, you know, navigating emotional pain within the African-American community. I know that this topic is such a heavy topic and almost 
a topic where it's not very highly um, even discussed a lot in our community or there's a lot of stigmas behind it. But we just wanted to get your take on like, you know, some of that historical context, given the nature of like your nonprofit organization in terms of how individuals in our community deal with emotional pain and, and work through trauma. Okay, so um, one of the things is, you know, um, that is not talk talked about is intergenerational trauma. And so we all know as a people um, about intergenerational trauma, which is um, trauma that is passed down from generation to generation. And one of the biggest things that we don't talk about is how each grandmother or mother, their eggs are already within them five months within the womb. So what do I mean by that? If a mother, uh, let's say she's a teenager and she is assaulted, well, every emotion that she feels that her body goes through emotionally, those embryos, those eggs that are already there, feels that same trauma. So a lot of times people will say, well, they didn't go through that situation. They didn't go through that trauma. However, it is felt within them. So we're trying to figure out, well, why are they reacting this way? They didn't experience it, but yet when they were in their mother's womb and they carry these children, you got to think about it for generations because if that mother has a daughter, that daughter also has her eggs and it just keeps handing down, you know, throughout these generations and it become intergenerational lock linked up. And that's why we have this domino effect of you know, somebody feeling like they're overly depressed and we don't know why are you depressed? You didn't go through slavery. Why are you anxious? Why are you bitter? But all of those emotions was felt down through the generation that started with that one grandmother. So that is something that we don't talk about. We don't talk about how um, being able to link up and get proper emotional healing. And that is one of the things with Pain With Purpose is our focus is to be able to talk about what is needed, but you first have to uh, acknowledge that there is a need for healing. And so a lot of us, because um, emotional trauma has become our norm, we don't talk about it, we don't deal with it, um, and we don't have the proper means to find out how can we heal. And um, one of the biggest things in an African-American home, growing up throughout different generations, we were told what goes on in my house stays in my house. Yes. So we've been taught to compress our feelings and not express them. And I think that that's one of the biggest issues within in, um, the African-American and Latino community is not being able to properly know how to communicate our emotions and how we're feeling. How would you encourage people to identify their generational traumas? One, what's keeping them in a certain mindset, in a certain behavioral pattern that is destructive? And then how do they go about getting the help that they need? How do they start consulting with someone that they can identify as a counselor, a mentor, or something of that sort? Well, one of the biggest things in identifying um, is generational cycles. So we'll say, oh, well, um, and I know for the longest the church talked about generational curses, but um, I that is totally a whole different story, but generational cycles. And when we get into generational cycles, what happens is, well, daddy was a drunk, 
or grandfather was a drunk, daddy became a drunk, now the son is a drunk, right? And those are cycles that has gone through those generations. And we're saying, well, I brought you up differently. I taught you differently. Why is it? And those are some of the things that being able to identify that, hey, these cycles that we're going through, they're generational. And then we being able to being able to go back to identify what is it that you're masking with the alcohol. So if we get to the root of the problem, we can alleviate the addiction, but it's not until we identify what, what is the emotional trauma here. So we have to be able to stop. There's, there's three things to healing. And in that, those three things is we have to feel, deal, then we can heal. So if we don't first feel it, allow ourselves to feel those emotions, know that those emotions are there, then we have to deal with it. Um, a lot of women, we think... Um, you know, well, why are women so aggressive? A lot of African-American women have gone through so many different types of abuse. <laughs> There's the abuse word, emotional abuse, mental abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. And then we want to know why are they so angry? Right. Do you feel like the women, one, are again reacting because of what the men have experienced and passed down from one generation to another? And they are putting that on the women. I know the women have to be in a defensive position. So they're giving them that back energy as well. It, and some of it could also be from their own general trauma, a generational trauma, I'm sorry, that has passed down to them as well. I do think that it is possibly, yes, that could definitely be the case. I think too, within the African-American community, within the men, there was no father there to be an example of how you would treat a woman. One of the biggest things that I found out is that we don't really truly know as an African-American community, when you take a woman on, hopefully as their wife, but we know now we have these cohabitations uh, that are not wed, um, but yet when that man steps in, they're, technic they're really saying to that woman and to that woman's father, Every responsibility that you did and you had with your daughter, I'm going to take it on. I'm going to protect her. I'm going to provide for her. I'm going to be there to love her just as you've done that. So that's the whole vow that takes when that father gives that daughter away, that that spouse is saying that I am going to do everything that you did as a father to be able to take care of your daughter. But what happens now is if that man has no father role, he's not going to know what it is that he's supposed to be doing. And now women have stepped up being independent because there's been no father roles even within their homes. So they don't even know what to expect uh, as far as being a spouse or how a man should treat their a daughter or how a man should treat a wife because there is no role model within the home to know that this is how a man should treat them. So I think because of that, a lot of women have taught their daughters to be independent that they don't need a man. Um, and so their roles now, because of that, we've we've kind of just uh, made men to think that you're not needed. So now uh, we've taken away some of their strengths as a man um, in that. And I think that's more so because of independence. And yes, definitely because of the intergenerational trauma that women have experienced or just trauma in general, that because we've been abused in whatever facet of abuse, now we step in to be able to say, um, I'm not going to take that any longer from the opposite sex, or I'm not going to take that. And we, I don't think we set healthy boundaries. I want to go back because we just unpacked like so much there that I'm even myself, I am trying to <laughs> just process too. What do we do in the case where, like, for example, like in my culture, you know, most of our grandparents, they 
they pass on on an early age. And so for me, like I haven't met my, I've met my grandmothers on both sides of my family, but it wasn't, I really wasn't at an age where I could even start to even formulate or ask these types of questions, you know? So for those of us that whether they, we still have our grandmothers alive or we don't, um, we know they're no longer with us here. Like, would you say it is beneficial for us to start having these conversations with our mothers in terms of the types of experiences that they went through growing up just so that we can understand where some of our um, behaviors and mindsets and patterns are coming from? I definitely believe that should be um, a conversation that is needed. Um, And that's one of the biggest things within um, the Black community. We do not communicate. There's a very lack of communication and there's that taboo situation that we just don't talk about. Um, And so, yes, being able to find out some of your behaviors and why you act out or why you're doing certain things, it stems from mom's experience has absolutely nothing to do with you. You know what? You know how somebody can say, oh, you act just like your mom or you know what? Your grandmother did the exact same thing you did. And you're trying to figure out, well, why am I acting this way? I never met my grandmother grandmother, but somebody can say to you, you act just like your grandmother. Um, It's because of those things that are tied to us um, through DNA. It's, it's just crazy. I know it's mind b- b- uh, baffling, but it's through DNA that trauma is passed down and scientists have proven it. Um, they know it, but it's not being talked about. So those conversations should be had within um, our homes to where we're talking to our parents. We're talking to our mothers about things that they've experienced to be able to know, well, this is why when our mothers went through different things, let's say they experienced anger. Mm-hmm. And our mother may be an angry person. And we're just thinking, well, I, I um, grew up and my mother was always angry. So now I'm angry. But the very quake that she felt within her body from whatever trauma she experienced, we felt that quake too. 100%. And as Nisha has been saying, so there's this beautiful book written. There is this great Netflix series that's written about it. And I remember talking about it in our third, fourth episode when we talked about our family backgrounds and relationship with family. It's called It Did Not Start With You by Mark Woolen. And he talks about generational trauma, you know, all that um, epigenetics, where all of that relationship is being built from the DNA before you're even made, before you're even born, and is clearly carried on from one generation to from another. Knowing that there is So it's funny, we as a generation or we as a community don't speak, but we speak in a silent way because that trauma is carried and it's verbalized with our actions, with our behaviors, with so many different things. So how do we communicate now as a community, as a society, verbally the right way to break those traumas off, to kind of get some healing for the individuals who are suffering? From these so the truth of the matter is communicating with mom may never get you the answers that you want but as a community whereas you've gone through your experience ashley's gone through her experience we can come together and begin to strengthen one another from our own experiences so whereas we may not be able to communicate with mom or grandmother we can communicate with one another and big the biggest thing is they always talk about the uh, all of the knowledge in the world is written in a book. 
And so um, I like to look at it like this. We're, we're books. We're life. We're alive. We're books that are alive and we can be read by one another. And so just being able to ask each other questions, having open forums like like such as this to where we can talk and we can educate one another so that we can start to heal and move on past different things. So like I said, having that mindset that your mother may not give you those answers, grandmother may not give you those answers, but you can find answers, maybe another family member that is willing to talk about it. Um, and and to be able to find uh, there's certain types of organizations, other types of platforms that are there with women that are willing to, or men, <laughs> sometimes we leave the men out, right? Yes, but yes. even men, they need healing too. Yeah. They need healing too. And um, I think uh, since COVID, one of the biggest things that has been established is the importance of mental health. And so with that, um, there's so many different uh, platforms, there's so many different organizations that has been built to help people deal with their mental health, help and emotional issues that they may be facing. Yeah. Earlier, you mentioned we have taken away, in some essence, the strength of our men in general, whatever community that we're coming from, because we've had to be independent and stronger. And then you're also mentioning sometimes we just leave them out to general conversations and general thought. How do we give them that strength back? How could we even start to have that dialogue? So one of the things would be to just step back, um, include them more. One of the things that I wanted to talk about was um, uh, there's things that's called the four C's of a relationship that will cause a relationship to truly work. You have to first be able to compromise. You have to be able to consider the other individual. You have to have compassion. And yet you also have to be able to communicate. And so if you have those four C's, any relationship, whether it be um, a friendship, a, re uh, a relationship, marriage, um, family relationship, if you have those four C's, that relationship will work. So being able to consider the man, how they feel, a lot of times when we talk, we can talk down to instead of speaking to. Yeah. Sometimes when we, um, our body language, not realizing that we're speaking through our body language without even opening our mouths. And those can be ways that they tell a man back up off me, <laughs> you know, back up. <laughs> um, there's ways that we don't consider uh, their backgrounds, where they're from, uh, things that may have been said to them down through the years from their mothers, their fathers. Maybe they were told they're not good enough. So those can be inward struggles within themselves, especially if they communicated that to be able to, to consider in times of uh, maybe even arguments or times that you just, you know, you're communicating. So there's things to be able to consider, well, this is why they act the way they act. This is why they're doing this. And we're trying to say, you need to step up. You need to do X, Y, Z, not knowing that they already have a sense of low self-esteem on the inside. We touched about it a little bit. We wanted to go more in depth too on how the, all this emotional pain and, and, um, intergenerational trauma, how that other, how that intersects with other aspects of our lives, such as our identity, um, gender, like socioeconomic status, wanting to know if that also impacts those areas too, in your experience. Um, definitely. So one of the things that I've realized with trauma, pain, um, unhealed trauma, is that a lot of people, they lose their identity and the trauma becomes the identity. So what I mean by that is the identity of who we are is not predicated on what we've gone through. So because we've gone through the trauma, a lot of people find their worth 
in what they've gone through. And so you have a lot of people that feels less than, they don't know who they are. They, a lot of people no longer have a voice. And so they lose their identity because of the trauma. And so um, with that, you don't want to allow your trauma to um, identify or to be a identifying factor of who you are. It is what you went through, but it's not who you are. Just because I've gone through trauma doesn't mean I have to stay defeated. I can be victorious. I do have a voice. Um, I do have likes and dislikes. I think that trauma, because some people go through trauma, they feel like they're not worthy. They're not worthy, or um, they um, they're not wanted, right? But I always tell people this one thing: if I gave you a hundred dollar bill today, and let's say I took that hundred dollar bill and I balled it up, I threw it on the floor, I stumped on it, threw it in the trash, I ripped it, would you still want that hundred dollar bill? Yes, the answer $100. Why would we want that $100? It's still the same value. Yes, It still has the same value. No matter what it went through, I can pass it from hand to hand. Somebody's hands could have been dirty, but yet the value of that $100 bill is still the same and it doesn't lose it no matter what it's gone through. And that's one of the biggest things that we have to realize with trauma, intergenerational trauma, is my worth remains my worth regardless of what I've gone through. Yeah. Sometimes it is so hard to remember that because you have been in this cycle and stage after stage and the constant reminder that you have been hearing or you've been telling yourself is that I am not. So how do we internally change that narrative to be in our favor, to be more supportive, to be more counseling positively? So the real question is, what is it for? If I've constantly gone through it and I've constantly had to suffer through it, how can I find purpose in it? Oh, <laughs> so oh now you goodness. just got same purpose. <laughs> yes. Because the truth of the matter is, what is it for? What yeah. can I do with this? How can I take it and apply it to make things better? So if I've gone through it and it keeps happening, what can I do differently to help somebody else? What can I do differently to teach somebody else, to guide another sister, to guide a brother in their healing journey? If we continue to only see the fact that I've gone through this, this is my trauma, this was what I experienced, then we stay there. We move no further than that. But when we realize I've gone through it, but what is it for? Yeah, that just made a whole other narrative in my mind because I mean you knew me from the beginning of my marriage and you have kind of lived through that with me in many respects and so funny you're saying that and Ashley and I talked on that on a previous episode how our stories aligned in some parallel life of our differences but similarities in the same way oh so you know like one of the things is what is the best counselor we can have a counselor that has all the book thing theory, but mm -hmm. they don't have the practicality of it. Mm -mm. They haven't experienced mm -hmm. it. They can only tell you from what the textbook says. But as somebody is telling you with the wisdom of it, because they have the experience of it, it has a whole different effect on your life and your situation. And so when you find out, even with your podcast, what you went to through, it took you from a place to be able to say, I experienced it. 
This is what happened. Now I want to make my mark so that somebody else can heal from it, know how to get through it. And I, I did not just stay at the victim, but now I'm stepping in victory to be able to know my purpose behind what I've gone through. And so it's just amazing, you know, to even see you being able to help somebody else from your situation and you're thriving. You're totally thriving. God has been here. Yes, yeah. that's, that's amazing. <laughs> Talking about marriages, mine was short. Um, you celebrated 23 years of marriage. So what has that journey been like? So March the 10th <laughs> will be our 23rd uh, wedding anniversary, actually. And oh, um, wow. so, yes, March the 10th, I'm waiting. Um, <laughs> you know, it's had its ups and downs. It's had its ups and downs. Sure. Definitely had the ups and downs. Um, but one of the things that I've learned along the way is the four C's. If I'm not willing to communicate with my spouse, uh, we set boundaries. Even in marriage, you have to set boundaries because uh, both walks of life come together. And this is the biggest thing about marriage relationship. We have totally two people from totally different walks of life trying to come together as one. With my husband and I, we're uh, two different ethnicities. Um, he's Caucasian. I'm African-American. And so with that, that was, woo, that was a big situation, right? I mean. Yeah. And having been married for 23 years, it was a big issue then. Yeah. I mean, you talk a strong black woman, taught to be independent. And right. he's the nice little mellow guy, you know, that had to deal with my craziness. But we learned how to compromise. We right. learned how to consider uh, one another. Um, there's certain things that we said, if we're going to make a major purchase, we have to consider the other and speak with them before just thinking, this is my money. I do what I want, right? So right. those are just things that you have to do to make a marriage work. And even with the ups and the downs, um, the military life added a lot of strain uh, on the marriage. Him being away, me being the sole person at home with three children, um, then dad comes back into the picture and he's trying to, you know, work his way back in to be that in his role, because I played the role. So now I got to step back from being father and mother to give him back his role. So um, those things, but it just takes the four C's. And then compassion. If you have that compassion um, that has everything, all of those things, right, wrapped up in one little bowl, the love, the consideration, the compromise. If you have that compassion, then uh, the marriage can work. It's only when you choose not to fight for it. It's only when one is trying to do all the work and the other one is not that those marriages dissolve in a negative way. Um, what would you say when you talk about um, when one when two people are not ready to or not willing to to fight for it? Like, what advice would you give to us, like in the younger generation, on fighting for that relationship when we're together or things that? we can do to prepare ourselves so that way we can have that strength to fight so let me answer your question like this i love to give analogies <laughs> if i stepped into a boxing ring and i stepped in there by myself what happens you have nothing to fight yeah there's nothing to fight yeah. so if i step into a boxing ring there's no match because we both have to show up Yes. In order for there to be a fight. I think a lot of times we think fighting as far as um, we never see it as a physical thing. Right. We just thinking, well, emotionally, are we showing up? But mm -hmm. we both have to step into that rink together in order for there to be a match. 
if we can't both show up, there's nothing. Right. And that is, are you also um, saying that on the physical side, showing up to counseling, when you say show up, could you give a little more detailed context? You do have to show up emotionally. You yeah. do have to show up um, to even give support in, in your spouse's ideas, even as crazy as they may be. That's a way of showing up. <laughs> um, you do show up with counseling. You do show up in expressing and communicating. Those are ways, and being even being considerate, those are ways in which we show up. If there's things that your spouse points out that they don't like, listen, as long as they are within your healthy boundaries, I had to say it like that because we have boundaries, but healthy boundaries. What do I mean by that? If you're not going to lose yourself in changing who you are, then be considerate to make those changes. If it's something that's not going to um, take away from your personality and who you are, we can change it. We can shift those things. Those are easy. But um, a lot of times people just, in, in not showing up, we're not willing to um, be considerate. We're not willing to compromise. And we're not willing to change those things that need to be changed. And that's all about fighting. Mm -hmm. um, marriages dissipate with one of these, uh, two of these issues, I'm going to say, a lack of communication and financial issues. And we got the others. Look, we have the crazy ones. Mm -hmm. But a lot of marriages, there's arguments over the finances and there's arguments over not wanting to um, compromise. We're not wanting to compromise um, and we're not willing to communicate. So mm -hmm. if you can show up in those areas, I think it should be good. What gave you that new voice? <sighs> okay, so after so long, just feeling like I didn't have a voice, um, a light bulb went off in my head. Uh, I started getting counseling. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I was taught, just be submissive to your husband. Right. I did not realize that being submissive did not mean that I could not be an individual as well. So true. We forget ourselves so often. Yeah. Yes. And so I found out that I'm my own individual, whereas he's his own. But being submissive didn't mean, did not mean that I couldn't have my own opinions. I couldn't have my own likes and dislikes. So once I came to that conclusion after years of, of therapy and counseling, then that light bulb went off and it was like, it's okay. It's okay to say what I like and what I don't like. It's okay to say, well, let's do this. Let's do that. Let me tell you, my husband, we just, we just did something that was totally fun this year. Normally if I say, babe, let's go and take this trip. He'll say, no, I don't want to go. So I'll just not go. Right. Yeah. The last time I took a trip to California, I booked the ticket and said, babe, I bought a ticket for us to go on a vacation. Mm -hmm. We got to go. He didn't give me any kit back for years. I could have been doing that for years. I have not traveled much like I want to because right away when I say, let's go somewhere, he'd say no. Mm -hmm. But this time I was more creative. I bought the ticket. Nice. He's not going to his money for the way. Right. So no, we there's no of that. Yeah. So, so 10 days later, we yeah. were sitting in California having a good time. And he would have <laughs> missed out because yeah. I would have gotten that no before. When you have experienced trauma from um, all forms of different abuse, from a past heartbreak, and you're just really in that emotional pain and you have, are and are currently, you know, going through counseling, how, what would you be your advice and, and guidance towards other women who are still kind of in the midst of all of that, but are 
finding it difficult to find their voice again or wanting learning how to set those boundaries and learning how to speak up when for so long they've been so quiet and afraid know your worth if you know your worth and you know your value you won't step down any longer it's only when you don't feel worthy and you don't feel valued that you know you're just gonna allow your light to be dimmed Mm-hmm. A diamond shines only when it's been cut, only when it's been polished, and after it's gone through much pressure. That's how it's formed. So once you realize that you're a diamond, and after you've gone through the cutting, after you've gone through the polishing, you know that you're one of the most expensive jewels that have ever existed. And so a diamond is not going to be just thrown around any type of way, but a diamond it's going to be cherished, right? So you don't allow yourself to get in situations that you would even have to uh, belittle yourself because that's what we're really doing. And so once you realize your worth, that I'm a diamond, I'm meant to be put on display. Uh, Women, we wear them all the time. And yet, you know, we don't just sling it around. We don't just allow ourselves to um, just throw it anywhere, but we cherish it. We put it in a jewelry box. We wear it all the time because we put too much into it. Mm-hmm. Um, Very true. I, I can't even tell y'all my little rock worth, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's custom made. Nobody else has mine. When, when my husband and I reached 20 years of marriage, he upgraded, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he upgraded well, because it's been three kids and 20 years later. And so <laughs> I, I got something that was unique to me yeah. because my diamond shows what I am valued within our marriage and within our relationships. And so that was what was symbolic to me. No longer am I a diamond in the rough, unpolished, uncut. But now I'm that that diamond that is ready to be on display, cherished by someone um, that's going to cherish it and that's going to love it. So I think really finding your healing place is being able to find your worth and knowing your value. And then you will find your voice. It'll begin to speak again because you know who you are. Oh my God, what a sermon. Thank you. I don't know if I was going to church no, but I think I just went <laughs> no it's it's hard and it's definitely like even me I'm just sitting here like okay Ashley you're processing this are you processing this you know because yes, it's, it's it a is lot hard. yeah yeah questions are going through my mind clarity is being made and it's just it's a different perspective it's a different internal dialogue and narrative that's going to come from our conversation today uh it's it's a, like a testament of enduring love with your long-term marriage with us loving ourselves and we as women, men are loving, allowing a partner to come into our lives. How could we allow that endearing love to serve as a source of support during times of emotional pain? I think the biggest thing that when we've gone through emotional pain, we need someone to validate our feelings. If our feelings are validated and if uh, we're made to feel as though how we feel, what we're going through, our experience in it is important. We have the support that is needed to truly heal. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes, it is so easy for somebody to cause another wound on top of a wound by not attending to the needs, the care, the support, the affection that is needed in a place of a person that is already wounded. Yeah. So what happens? They come. Um, if, if we're not 
allowed that support or given that support that is needed in a traumatic situation, then it's just like it's infection. We're not going to ever heal. No. We'll just keep being hurt. We'll keep having that scar that is pustering. Um, but when you have that support, that person that comes that can give you the support that's needed, that can validate your feelings, validate your emotions, then it allows you to feel like it's okay. I have been hurt. I have gone through this. Remember, feel, deal, heal. Yes. If you feel it, if they're willing to go through it with you, if they're willing to uh, help you get to the place of dealing with it, then you can truly heal and know that you're a healed being. Yeah, definitely. Support network is definitely very important. And just a reminder that it's not your fault. Forgive yourself as you process this and move on, move on with your life. Uh, one of the biggest things, yes, is acknowledge it is not your fault. Really, truly. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't work out, it was both your fault. Yeah. Because again, it takes both of us. Yeah. And then in that, in any breakup, in any mishap, being able to go back and say, what could I have done differently? Not to condemn but being able to find out what I could what I could have done differently so that when I go into the next one, I make those proper changes. And that's what life is about. You're never going to get it the first time. I mean, I don't know how many people's had different uh, spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends or in whatever relationship they had. You don't get it right the first time. No. But wisdom comes through the experiences that we go through in order to make that total package of who we are. So. I, I'm grateful to every challenge that I've had because it makes you a better you. 100. If you never go through any trauma, if you never go through any type of pain, how would you know that you need help? How would you know to be better, that you can be better, that things can be better if you never go through it? So being able to realize, yes, I went through it, but I can take this as a learning tool to be able to catapult me into finding Mr. and Mrs. Wright. When you talked about you know, understanding your worth and knowing that you are um, that already freshly cut, pressed, ready to, you know, shiny like diamond. I just well, just curious to know about like your journey of getting to that point. And there's a certain mindset that you kind of had to put yourself in to get you to that point when for so long you've been kind of in that woe is me or victim or just so much in your pain. Like, how did you just like snap out of it if you did? Whew. So with that for me, and I can only tell you from my experience, one of the most tragic situations happened to me about a year ago, and don't you start crying, Chanel, is that, <laughs> look, she's that little sister, right? But mm -hmm. um, so I was sexually assaulted uh, about a year ago. And whereas I thought I was a strong person, um, nothing could shake me spiritually, nothing could shake me as an individual period, because I had already been, you know, molested and things like that as a kid. So in my mind, I'm solid. Well, when I was assaulted, um, I, for three months, lost myself, like extreme depression, anxiety. Uh, I mean, I was drinking. I didn't drink. I was smoking. No, I didn't smoke. I was eating some edibles. I'll be honest. Those are the things I did to try to cope. I tried to self-communicate, right? And so uh, I even started cutting. That was something I did as a teenager because I was just trying to find some type of escape. And so in that um, of losing myself, I, um, I totally hit rock bottom. And there was a Bible scripture that I read after I didn't even want to talk about Jesus anymore. That was like the last thing that was on my mind. But I ended up going to a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter eight. 
And it talks about, in my own words, that the Lord took Israel through the wilderness. And a wilderness is an uninhabitable place by humans. So that means that God had to feed them manna. He had to give them water from a rock. Why? Because there was nothing there that could provide for them. And so this wilderness experience was one of the hardest places of their lives. And what it did, it pointed them back to God. They had to rely on him for all of their sustenance. And so he says that he took them through the wilderness. And there were three reasons to prove them, to know what was in their hearts and to humble them. And so then he goes on to say, and I also fed you with manna that you did not know so that you can know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every uh, word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord. That very moment, I understood that the pain I suffered all my life, not just that one time, maybe I couldn't hear it before, maybe I wasn't ready before, but I was in such a place of distress that I was looking for any type of relief. And, and Chanel is already crying. And so I was looking for some type of relief. And in that, I found my solace in knowing that my pain was with purpose and on purpose. And so like maybe two weeks after that, the Lord gave me pain with purpose as a ministry to be able to know that what I went through was to help other women. And so now I can sit here and say with smiles on my face, like what, what's your crying smiling for? Because I understand that that pain was literally to help catapult, catapult somebody else from a plane of a place of pain into their purpose to be able to know that what you went through was not just for you, but it was to help somebody else. And so in that, we find that healing. We find everything that we need to be able to say, you can heal because you've gone through it. You no longer look at things as a um, victim, but you begin to see things from a whole different perspective and mindset. So, of course. Yeah. Thank you so much. I know our audience will definitely sincerely and wholeheartedly just appreciate just like hearing that those like that wisdom, that encouragement. I know for me, it definitely is going to something that's going to resonate with me, like moving forward, just getting through and working and healing, continuing to just move forward and, and push through and just constantly repeating that to myself and understanding and learning the purpose behind behind it all. You know, so thank you so much for sharing that. Let me be positive. So you're doing an amazing work now because you have surmounted that mountain and you're like, this is my destiny. This was intended for me. This is the purpose of my pain. Tell us about your ministry. Um, so Pain With Purpose is um, definitely a ministry that God has birthed. I, I would say that through my pain, through my trauma, um, to be able to help women. As of right now, I'm focused on women because we've lost our, our identity. So many hats, but what's our identity? What do I mean by that? We're mother, we're sister, we're wife, um, we're, we're the co-worker, we're everything to everybody, but yet we don't have our own identity. And so with Pain With Purpose, right now I am focused on the women and we do that through a three-day retreat and so in the retreat, we're working on um, empowering women to embrace their pain, to embrace it. If you can embrace it, then you already know you've succeeded in overcoming it. And so we um, we do that. Not only do we have the retreats, but we're also, uh, um, I probably sound like a counselor, right? We do a lot of life coaching. We don't just leave the women at the three-day retreat, but after they leave, we continue to have a communication um, 
line so that we can help them complete their journey because it's not just about being healed but staying healed mm -hmm. and life is always going to throw us some situations and some mishaps but hey like they say when they throw you lemons you make lemonade right mm -hmm. and so that is what we are as of right now paying with purpose um we have touched about 90 women's lives and it's transformative um you know, I've, I've heard so many of their testimonies of how much it has impacted their lives. And it's opened up a new set of mindset, a new mindset of thinking um, about pain and being able to for so long. When you're thinking about pain, we see ourselves um, as being um, uh, depressed or in a situation where we, we're defeated. That is word. Um, but when you're able to see that it's not a defeat. But if there's a victory in overcoming. Look, it's just like birth and pains. Mm -hmm. We I go through those birth and pains. I always got some type of analogy, right? We go yeah. through birth and pains. But at the end of that, we're rocking and we're cradling this big, healthy baby. But we went through all the pushing. We went through all of these things, all these scarring. Some people have the C-section. But after all of that, we have this bundle of joy. And so Pain With Purpose is my bundle of joy after I've gone through all the birth and pain. How are your, um, where's your vision on growing the, um, that ministry? Actually, what I do, I go from state to state. So currently I am um, having a retreat this coming up week, actually, on Thursday, the 29th. Um, and we'll be in Florida. We'll be in Davenport, Florida. Um, in March, the 29th of March, the 28th of March, we'll be in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. So already on my books for this year, I also have um, October 24th, we'll be in California. So my thing, my whole overall goal was if people could not travel, bringing it to them, yeah. uh, trying not to put the cost to where they couldn't afford it. You know, I know a lot of retreats, they're charging $500, $1,000 for a three week. Look, it's three weeks. Food, pay, lodging, everything that they could possibly need is in that um, is is included in whatever fees uh, that it may have. I know for Florida, we only charge one hundred and fifty. Arkansas is a hundred. California, of course, cost of living is two hundred and fifty. But you get everything within that time um, of being there. So uh, that's where we are. Uh, we're gonna bring it to you. If there's somebody that wants it, we just come. I have my team. We rally up. We roll it up and, and we go. My husband just purchased me a new truck because he was like, babe, you need something to be able to take your pain with purpose on the road. <laughs> and so I'm honored. I'm honored for his support in that arena as well. But yeah, we got wheels down. Yeah. Wheels are down on the road. That's mm -hmm. amazing. How are people finding out about the retreat, um, about the ministry itself? So surprisingly, um, they're finding out through word of mouth. And it's so funny because at first it was like, I need family. I need somebody in this state. But literally what is happening um, is the fact that people are finding out about it through Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Paying With Purpose. Um, they're finding out about it, again, through word of mouth. Um, we have different other platforms in which we're use, utilizing to be able to get the word out for Paying With Purpose. Um, I have not yet stepped into the uh, arena of TikTok yet or Instagram, but um, we are. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm, I'm a little old school. I'm just a little old school, right? Um, but we are trying that we will hopefully uh, I'll get the courage to step out and do that as well. So um, but right now 
Uh, people are inviting other people. It's it's crazy. Uh, the the three retreats that I've done so far, most of the people I don't even know. So it's not even like I'm going into an arena with people I know. It's easy. I know what you've gone through. I know your struggle. It's people I don't know. And we do take it a spiritual uh, approach. Um, God is my focus. Um, and I feel like he gives me the strength to be able to do all that I do. So we do take a spiritual approach to it. Um, he's definitely included. I can't leave him out. Because, again, it's Deuteronomy chapter 8 that caused me to have that mind change. So um, that is what we're doing as far as payment purpose goes. I'm so excited for the work that you're doing. I am I'm, I'm sure Ashley and I are probably going to plan to join your October 24th here in California. I know that I am. We'll see what our schedules permit. But just on that journey, what are you the most excited about? My mo My biggest excitement is seeing the transformation in the lives of the people. Something I never thought I would be doing, uh, I never probably would have done, but my pain catapulted me into it. It pushed me right into destiny, and so um, being able to see how what I what I went what I went through was not for just to uh, cause me to be a defeat to just to defeat me, but it caused me to be someone that can impact and empower other lives to let other people know that you can make it out of this. So that is my my biggest overall excitement. Um, it's not the traveling. It's not the excitement. It's not the traveling. Um, it's literally seeing those lives changed and hearing the praise reports about what Pain with Purpose has done for them. How can other individuals find you, attend your retreats, consult with you on one-on-one? -on -one? What resources can you provide to our audience? Okay, for those that would like to contact me, we do have uh by way of email. My email is painwithpurposellc at gmail.com. Um, as well as on Facebook, Pain with Purpose. Find us there. Um, and um, um that's the avenues as of right now that we have for those to be able to contact us. Um, and we will we will get back with them uh definitely. We wrap uh -huh. up every episode with a beautiful conclusion we talked about so much and so many great things were said and for me I know I was paying good attention taking my notes so for me this was a lesson I was in class I was in <laughs> personal growth emotional growth spiritual growth class I'm just excited to implement so much of this but fundamentally just taking away some of the good nuggets is learning the forces even without a partner with a partner that can be implemented in your own life just look at different situations as you encounter them and know how to take a whole different perspective, a whole different approach. Having a voice for your own self, giving yourself value with how you see yourself, how you speak about yourself, how you allow others to speak with you and to speak on your behalf. It is just such a transformative view of self and relationships and people around you when you can, you can see something different than what you believe is who you are. So we always wrap up by asking our audience you know how will you be soothing her this week um and essentially it's just i'm sure chanel has informed you but her it kind of goes along with what you were saying earlier how you have to feel and you have to deal and then you'll be eventually healed and so our her essentially stands for healing enduring and restoring so we um want to ask you miss nisha you know how with 
your retreats coming up and just the mission behind Pain With Purpose? Like, how will you be soothing her this week? So I will definitely be soothing her with many um, conversations. Um, I do a lot of my life coaching there. Um, I do a lot of soothing um, her through fun activities. Look, if we can laugh together, we can cry together. And so I try to incorporate moments of um, fun and laughter. And then we have those moments where we're going to cry. I promise you we're going to cry. But we soothe her by letting her to know that we're here with you in this battle. We're here with you through this transformation. We're here with you through every tear that you cry. I have the tissue waiting on you. So this week, I'm going to be helping wipe somebody's tears away. I would love to uh, soothe her this week. With I'm gonna take one from your textbook, um, Nisha. I'm gonna feel, deal, and consider healing because I know it's not gonna happen this weekend or the next week before another episode comes out. So just put some discuss some steps as to how I can change my internal narrative. I think for me, definitely there are some areas of insecurities. There are still some areas of pain from what I've I've been through in my personal life. And um, sitting on that pain and, yes, knowing that it's mine and accepting that it is mine, but not trying to do anything about it. It's almost like I've come to the conclusion, like, I can deal with it. I'm strong enough to think of it, let it go from one part of my memory to another part and close that chapter. But let it pass through me like a meditation, embrace it and try to find a way to not have it disrupt my life in the long term yeah I think for me as soothing her this week the taking a lot of the things that you've said just throughout this pot this episode and just talking with you today like having gone through you know trauma and dealing healing from like one of the probably the biggest heartbreaks I've ever had to do and all of that and just having that big shock of like a life transformation Um, And I think part of that, how I will be soothing her this week is also sitting with the pain that has come from that experience, but not letting that, how you mentioned earlier, define who I am and making my identity out of that. Um, I think it is so easy for us when we have gone through similar experiences, like that is, it's easy just to go down into that type of identity of well that must whoever that person thinks that that's that's who I am like I'm just that those like constant narratives that we have that like I'm not good enough or I'm just not worthy or just like that's just it like I'm just gonna sit here and that, that that's just gonna be my life you know which is definitely not the case and so how I want to be soothing her this week is to really change that narrative as well and understand the purpose for me going through that and creating this safe space for people to heal from similar experiences and other traumas that they have been through. And then also taking the time to realize that that experience does not, you know, define like my worth and and real and learning how to recognize like the diamond within myself and knowing my value and my worth. I love this. You are valuable, Ash. You are worthy. Goodness. Yes. This was an amazing episode. Arnisha, I wish you so many good things for you and your ministry and all the lives you will impact. I am just so excited for that. The transformation, 
the healing that will come in our communities. And when I say community at this point, it's not just our African-American community. It's not just our Black community, our global, our world community. And I hope that a lot of people will find their way to your ministry to help with the healing would learn about the work that you're doing or even without having set foot in any of your retreat spaces, look deep within themselves and see that story, see that narrative, see that possible generational trauma and know that you have to take a step in the direction of having a conversation with some family member within yourself if no one exists for that reason and try to get some answers so that at least you're not passing that on to your children, to your extended family, to your community as well. There's just so much work. And I'm I'm so grateful for having met you all those years ago. And I wish you all the best in your ministry and, and all the lives that, again, you will impact on, on that journey. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Any last words for listeners, for soothing her audience? Just being able to know that you can heal Allow yourself the permission to heal from whatever it is that has been your trauma. Amen. Love that. Yes, we will link all of Nisha's information down in our information box, Soothing Her Community. Thank you so much for tuning in with us again for another just wonderful, impactful, inspirational, just inspiring everything all above episode this week. Please, if you have any questions or you have, especially for Nisha, we will share her information, as I mentioned, down below um, and also ways that you can get in contact with her and find her organization and get yourself to one of those lovely retreats as well so that you can also get the, um, the resources and help and, and just the support that you all need. So thank you again so much for listening to us and we look forward to talking with you all next week. Yes. Bye, Sue and her. Until next time. <laughs>